Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dally Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet, Michael Sidgwick, and gents, we are gathered here today Wee. to talk about fallout from the Royal Rumble. And uh, well, we should start off first of all by getting your thoughts on Saturday's premium live event. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keith Lee. <laughs> Already uh, that nickname. Has eaten itself. Uh, yeah. took, took two shows, didn't it? It took uh, one pronunciation. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The company most known for making bad wrestling shows made a bad wrestling show. Ultimately, that that was my main takeaway from the Royal Rumble. Um, the, the format can't be killed, as evidenced by the 2010s attempts. And the fact that it survived and continues on and has good years as it does sometimes, as it did last year, like in the Thunderdome of all places, shows that the format can't be killed. So one bad year is not going to destroy anything. There isn't that sense of um, finality or doom that often comes with a rubbish WWE show with a lot of lame, like non-events dressed up as happenings. But it did feel worse than I think a standard bad premium live event. There was a, for, for a building with 40,000 people in, for a show with, on paper, two significant winners uh, and a, a couple of, like, sizable events, there was this strange malaise that hung over all of it. There was, you know, we're going we're gonna to go into the details of it and, you know, um, the four Hamlet fans will forgive me. However, there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of feeling that nobody is over and this was the this show, the Royal Rumble, best exemplifies this over the eras when nobody is really over because you have that many people entering. You know, like if you watch the Midnight is one when the business is in the bin, um, there's almost no characters that get pops on their entrances apart from maybe two or three. The nineteen ninety nine Russo Royal Rumble definitively splits into I think about the first sixteen, seventeen of nobodies until we get to the last ten that are the stars, and it's because Russo couldn't really book and he was asked to try and control this this thing that needs to be carefully poured over. This year you couldn't even really do that. It was maybe the last five in the men's Royal Rumble, but like you can't have you can't have twenty five losers first. It just doesn't work. It just feels so lopsided. There was a like a whole night of just none of this is over. Mm. None of it really matters. Even the big stuff doesn't really matter. Even the big stars, even the returns, even the surprises, um none of it matters. And did WWE even care? That's the thing. Like I'm sitting here wanting to be sadder about that. I don't think they're too bothered that none of it really matters, but none of it does. Yeah, I was sort of reflecting on this on, on Sunday because obviously me and Phil did the live stream. We did the immediate recap, and it, it's always weirdly tainted when you do a stream because regardless of what the show actually is genuinely like, we kind of have a good time. Bloody love a stream, you. Yeah, exactly. You've got to enjoy yourselves. There's no point, you know, moping about on that. And there was still elements to enjoy in this. And I've got to disagree with, you know, I saw some people saying, oh, this is the worst Royal Rumble ever. It's not the worst Royal Rumble ever. There's been a lot worse, uh, even in recent memory. But, I will, and, and I also will say, 
I don't really have that much of an issue with the two winners. Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey enter WrestleMania is, a, is something we all get on to. I think my issue, Sige, because I, I watched both of them back on Sunday, both Rumbles, is outside of a few spots, a few, you know, Bad Bunny or, or Ivory or whatever it may be, like uh, Hamlet alluded to there, it was just quite dull most of the Rumble matches, and then the, the you know the title matches as well. Well, we'll we'll get on to the Royal Rumble is meant to make you get unbelievably hyped for WrestleMania. I'm now sat here two days removed from the Royal Rumble, and I'm sick to death of talking about the Royal Rumble. Like what a dull experience. Malaise is the perfect word. If I was a wrestling booker, right? Or if I decided to do fantasy booking, if I gave half a toss about this company, and as I have done in the past, the best day of your job would be booking a rumble. How much fun would it be mm-hmm. to like tease fans on nostalgic cameos, to set in motion a WrestleMania mid-card program, to tell stories, to shock your base. Just the, the men's match in particular... I thought the women's match was sloppily worked and the most bizarre kind of fan service where it's like suddenly by virtue of not existing in the system for a couple of months, a year, or years plural, these they got initially before the real eye they can't work. A waste of time. They got like big reactions. Like the men's one just felt like a thing that you have to do because it's the rumble. There was no creativity, no verve, no passion. This wasn't lovingly crafted mm. in peak trough, ebb, flow. Who ran wild? Everybody came in and just found a corner. Yeah. Like, who ran wild? Who sort of took the moment? Bad who... Bunny. <laughs> Bad Bunny. Like, what a, what a disaster that was to think about the fact. Like, Bad Bunny, I, I don't know if you guys have done this. Like, I looked up what his tour looked like. And it wasn't just at where he is around WrestleMania, but it was around the fact that the prep that it would take somebody like a Bad Bunny to do. It's not going to happen. Like, he's got this, it's not a Jericho thing where he can fly in from a show and work a wrestling match because it's Chris Jericho. Bad Bunny would need presumably weeks and months to, yeah. you know, iron out the creases of a match or practice whatever it is he wants to practice. He's not a wrestler. Shout and out to Drew Gulak, by the way. He's the one who trained him for all of his spots in WWE. And well, he's starting the Performance Center. Well, yeah. I was Evidently, say. he's not training in the Performance Center or by the Performance Center, I should say. Mm. There was no, it, like, the men's one almost felt like it had, like, the nostalgia of the women's one at least drove certain moments of creativity in terms of some of the people they use. You had, like, Summer Rae staring down Natalia as if she'd waited 20 years for this moment. You had Or, the, or shouting <laughs> and off as she ran down. Indeed. The, the, the really cool ivory bit. And there, there oh, was, that was the, great. There was, was others. terrible. It there was w- nice to see it to see her nice, but in terms of delivering promos and comedy, it was appalling. Yes, not good. But there was... I, I, honestly, I'd, like, earnestly, the Molly Holly spot was the spot of the whole night, I think. Like I, I like seen Phil's reaction. I, I, oh my god! I like the Our idea. I like the idea and the execution of that. But and the thing with the Molly Holly one is, it's exactly what you would do if somebody said, "Oh, Mighty Molly's in the Rumble." It's like, well, there's another superhero on the roster to do something with that. And he's that's, turning. And he's turning. Yeah, that's not even that's to Sidgwick's point. That's the cool thing about being a booker on Rumble season is you can have about fifty or sixty ideas, and the best thirty make the show. For example, because you come up with one idea for each single person. That clearly didn't happen. Like they, they booked in the men's match at very least, they booked a battle royal that happened to be yeah. following Royal Rumble rules, and it was a like on that on like it certainly it wasn't the worst, but it was one of the worst I think in that regard. I feel like I'm re- repeating a lot of takes, but I do want to know your thoughts on on what me and Phil ranted and, and me and Andy have talked about on the news as well. Excuse me for this, Sige, because I know it's a sub- subject, a sore subject for you. But Hamlet and I have gone on for a while about the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic, right? And uh, we all have a lot of fun with it. But the fact they weren't even in the ring together... Crazy, that, isn't it? Same (laughs) with, like, uh, Leah and Natalia. Yeah. They've done all this stuff on SmackDown. And I'm not saying it's got to be the main basis for the Rumble. But, like, we talked about this when we previewed it. The most obvious thing is, Natalia, I'm the record breaker. I'm a record breaker. Aaliyah, thorn in Natalia's side. Natalia comes in. Aaliyah eliminates her within eight seconds, which is the record for shortest time. Continue... 
you know, passable TV record storyline going on with them two. And instead, Natalia came in. Aaliyah was stood in the ring. And I'm not blaming this on her because we know that this has been changed a million times and Vince has changed his mind a lot on the day, of course. Aaliyah stood in the ring and she goes, oh, I better go and just deal with, I don't know, Rhea Ripley or whatever. And it's Liv Morgan who fights Natalia for 30 seconds. And like you said, they just go to a corner. So I have a live viewing example of this, right? So when um, Cameron... The Funkadactyl was uh, coming out of the ring and Sonny Deville's on commentary. And in my head, I'm going, please, Sonny Deville, please say something like, oh, here's the, I always thought she was the more superior Funkadactyl. Please acknowledge this. Like, just shows that you're thinking of something. And then, in my opinion, they bettered that by having instead it be like Cameron and Naomi had always just stayed friends and she's attacking a mate and stuff like that. Really, really cool. And then sure enough, when Naomi gets in the ring, it's one of the most heated and memorable segments of the match because it's one of the few things that actually observes something that's happened on television. That's how I want to watch a Royal Rumble. I want to be thinking, I'm just a little bit ahead of it because they've got these people in these positions because it's, it's fake. It's not a shoot draw. Like You put these things in place so that all these things can work, can work out and then sure enough, what they produce is better and the brawl is really heated and it's one of the only times, up to that point at least, that the fans had made noise for an interaction in the match. And... Like, I don't, I'm loath to overpraise the basics when we talk about WWE, but that is, if you watch any old Royal Rumble, I mean, Christ, don't do that anymore because it'll ruin your experience of a modern one. <laughs> yeah, I watched but 94 one, error. When you watch an old one, that's, that's a basic that virtually every single character is given. Like, everybody in the Royal Rumble has a purpose, even if it's just to be, to be thrown out by a dominant wrestler. Like, you were days removed, and I can't name everybody in the ring uh, that Omos was up against when Chad Gable, mm. like, rallied the troops because they didn't really, like, imbue them with any purpose beforehand. It didn't feel like I'd been watching these guys struggle to stay in, only for Omos to dominate them again. And it just, I don't know, like, it's that kind of, that's why I'm, like, loath to give them too much praise to the basics because they didn't apply it throughout the night. I wanted to know your thoughts because you've already spoken about it on Twitter, but I'm sure the Cedric Mega fans will forgive you yep. to talk about what happened with Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, and the Bella Twins. Delectable cruelty is what happened to them. God damn it. Like, I'm surprised they even remember Sarah Logan exists. Sarah Logan enters the Rumble. She enjoys a tearful reunion with Liv Morgan, who, incidentally, not incidentally, they've just pushed and asked you over the course of about, what, two, three months to take seriously as someone who's orbiting the main event. He's not there yet, but she might. And then their happiness is completely dissolved when they are unceremoniously tossed out of the ring. Why boot that spot? If not to actively piss off, it's either the most hollow bit of fan service to an incredibly niche following. I can't recall the Riot Squad ever getting anything approaching a reaction in an arena. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, online fans, everyone's got a fan. Everyone has a fan of something. Mm. And this, this, the same is true of the Riot Squad. There's probably as many absolution yeah, mm. yeah, and then they just get tossed out. Absolutely hilarious. Although before we move on, on reflection, I'm I'm tempted to say this was possibly worse than 2015, because at least with 2015 there was an incredibly cynical and stupid attempt to get Roman Reigns over. It was completely historic, prehistoric storytelling. Roman Reigns faces a big guy, but wait, there's two big guys, Big Show and Kane. Isn't it mightily impressive for this? powerful man to use babyface resolve to overcome two mm. gigantic odds. It was a parody of 80s booking, but at least there was an attempt to do something. It failed dismally, infamously, we know this. This was simply, get the geeks out, let them do their stuff, and we're running short of time, so Brock can just kill everyone in two minutes flat, unceremoniously, anticlimactically. We need to get to this main event, this is the quickest way to do it. Not one attempt to build something for WrestleMania in the mid-card. Mm. On the Riot Squad point, it, it does it sort of folds into the like the problem with this mid-card and why there were so few reactions in the in the men's match, especially I think. The a big thing in the in the women's battle royal this year, because they've sacked half the roster, was the need for returning wrestlers. Um but as Cedric points out, it didn't always feel like the Riot Squad were the biggest stars on any card. They had a, the odd good matches between them. But what the Riot Squad have Evolution. going for them... I'll be nice. Yeah, and like what the Riot Squad have going for them in terms of when you think of the online fan base, and this was really important in the Women's Royal Rumble, was like the member berries are not that diluted in the WWE Kool-Aid 
ultimately. That's the crack. Like it's mm. it's often just a case of remember this. There's no particular story. There's no LTST. There's no. It's just remember it. Have a look at it for a second, and they literally gave you a second to look at it before actual stars in WWE's mind pushed them out of the ring in the in the form of the Bella Twins. Or that was a very micro case of the thing we've seen for going on 15 years now of a star embarrassing somebody that is theoretically of today's crop in mm. the case of Liv Morgan. But that practice over and over and over and over again results in you needing old stars for the women's rumble and nobody being over in the men's one. So it's just a small thing, but if you think, like, if you extrapolate that, it sort of directly affects the quality of both rumbles as a result. It's easy for me to be to be wise after the event, but it did hit me watching these rumbles that you know we talked about before when we were previewing it, and we've we we kind of all said I'd have to come in here and be like, all right, I'm well. If it's not Ronda and Brock winning uh, the Royal Rumble and going to WrestleMania, who else could it be? Ronda and Brock. Yeah, and it hit me because the reason why people were tweeting on Saturday afternoon. Like, the great thing about this year's Rumble is, if you take Ronda and Brock on the picture, that was sort of the implied thing, you can't call it. It could be anyone's. And then I realized... 29 over, full-time roster. <laughs> and I realised, yeah, the reason why you can't call it is there's no other standouts because everyone's on the most base level. Like, talked about E. I was campaigning for E to potentially win this. He got chucked out with no fanfare whatsoever. He got... It might, be, it might have got more had Kofi's you know, spot not gone awry, but regardless of that, he got a bit in there. Do you know what? Just sorry to interrupt on Big E, because I've seen that a lot. Big E getting thrown out with no fanfare. Sasha Banks, somebody else that got out, thrown out with relatively little fanfare Queen early on. Zelina eliminating her. The Bold choice. I think it's like the, these cases are being isolated because these are wrestlers that clearly deserve better and are beloved. And, you know, are, are the ones that seem to be deserving of the most. Almost nobody got eliminated with any fanfare. It's, it's like really what happened was there were two Royal Rumbles where there were virtually no eliminations that were particularly memorable. Mm. It just so happens that you have your favourites. Like I've got mine too. They isolate those as being particularly egregious. In reality, almost like nearly all of the Royal Rumble in both cases passed without I'm incident. Like, in, eliminations that's, included. That's if you, if you, sorry, if you were going to ask me, aside from like, you know, the final elimination, like tell me who eliminated who or what the spot was. Gun to my head, I'd be like, right, the first three I'm picking are Ivory, because I remember that one, Knoxville and Bad Bunny. (laughs) That's a great point from Hamlet, because when you eliminate someone who's over, who potentially stood a chance of winning, it registers as a shock, because you're thinking, oh, Christ, well, that, you know, that informs the finish. That is something I didn't expect to happen, and they're all just grey lumps of trash in the Mm -hmm. minds of the booking. Not in mine. I have my favourites too. I have several people across both fields where I think, you'd be a star somewhere else. You'd be a star if I wasn't a 76-year-old idiot with a fading mind booking you into normalised oblivion. But, yeah, like, uh, he's gone. I'm going to win. It's not over. Yeah, it's, no it's one reacted. 29 shrugs in each match and a winner. I just, I just, that was the point I was circling back to in terms of... the. It, if not Ronda or Brock, who else? It would have been, I mean, more than just a rocket being strapped to the back. It's like dig them out of the ground and then strap them to a rocket because no one was like the perfect personification I thought of this was I saw, you know, Ronda comes out at 28 and I'm happy Ronda's won. I know that, and I've seen subsequent to your tweets as well that, mm. you know, people can n- not be a fan of Ronda for many reasons, not just wrestling related and, and, and a lot of them are quite justified. But there was a great, great, not great, but sadistically great shot. Ronda comes out, clears house, right? 29's counting down. Now, to be fair, you know, this guy's probably like me. I was watching the stream going, oh, who could it be? Who could it be? And if you've actually kept track of who they've announced, you go, well, it has to be this because, it's you know, you've got one more spot left after this. Counting down, and I just saw a guy on the front row as they pan the crowd going, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. This guy's like nudging his mate going, Bailey, it's going to be Bailey. And, like, it's not her fault, but it was Shotzi. At 29, yeah. already announced, yeah. but it is just, and everyone's just like, huh, well, maybe we'll get someone we like at 30, a surprise at 30. It was just. It was also Shayna Baszler pre announced. So the last two were pre announced. So there was no, if you, as you say, if you actually had the list in front of you, there was no room for a surprise at that point. That was, which I didn't, but I was long past the point of assuming. I actually had forgotten about Baszler 
But I thought that Bailey's not anywhere near. They're not bothering. They'll save that for another day. And I thought it might be Asker. I thought they'd be happy to sacrifice Asker at the Ronda Rousey cause. And it wasn't even that. It was Shayna Baszler. Uh, yeah, like, just, I think in, I keep saying in the case of both Rumbles, because there was a lot of similar problems. But it, I keep sort of circling back to thinking, now this was definitely more of a men's Rumble issue than the women's one. Because they were, just because of the layout of the, like, the competitors was so different. It felt, the, <laughs> the Royal Rumble... The men's Royal Rumble felt like an, a, a genuine attempt to show you what the WWE roster looks like in 20... They can't do that with the women's one. But that they, that was an attempt to show you what 2022 WWE is, should I say. I don't want to watch that. Like, and <laughs> and 40,000 people, for the most part, agreed as well, you know? And it, it's so telling. So much about the show is so incredibly telling of... The stuff that we already know, sadly, like what WWE is, what it stands for, what what it isn't, which is a, a wrestling show, which is a focused weekly episodic wrestling show. Yeah, the the Rumble remains this thing that, and it'll be the same next year when we're doing the preview stuff for it. It remains kind of an escape from what WWE is, and you're in this escape watching Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this is why I need, this is the stuff I'm supposed to escape from. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Let's talk about the the men's rumble uh, quickly, Sige, because like, well, just because I want to focus on one particular surprise entrant who really boiled my piss. Um, because going into it, I think we had 25 names announced mm. from Raw, SmackDown, and Jackass, basically. Uh, and we got uh, Ridge Bloody Holland. That was a surprise. I'm fairly certain he wasn't announced. A returning Drew McIntyre. That was nice. Mm. I mean, uh, it's... It totally 2020 didn't matter at all. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, I'm not a fan of losing someone in December and then being like, hey, hey they're back. It's like, there's a month gone by, pal. Like, just imagine how gutsy it now. That wasn't it? it was day one, wasn't it? That it all went down. So yeah, he missed uh, the Corbin match, didn't he? Uh, the uh, Madcap Moss match. Yeah. Just imagine how gutsy it would feel now to to be talking about this today, having Drew eliminated. Like that shouldn't be such a gutsy thing. No. Drew McIntyre was your WWE champion in one of the hardest periods in the company's history, and did a pretty good job with it, and managed to sustain his a certain cool factor despite becoming the game show host, and yet 
like for us to talk about like Drew winning is like suggesting all oh, the rest of the whole show with the ring upside down. It's that wacky a suggestion to imagine that he might have thrown out Brock at the end when might have been the wiser move. Like long term, it might have been the much wiser move. So they only had five spots for potential surprises. Ridge, Drew, Brock at number 30, which we all kind of assumed. Bad Bunny, which admittedly was a nice touch. And Shane McMahon, Sage. Yeah, Shane McMahon's the WrestleMania headliner. Rus- Shane McMahon's one of the biggest stars in the company. Always on the board. Shane's name. Shane's always he, on the board yes. early. I mean, you summed it up perfectly, I thought, in the news yesterday when you just said, this is the way it is. Because yeah. I'm was, i still angry. I got, I, got, I got angry at the time. I got angry on what went down. I got angry on our podcast. I got angry talking to Anne Louise about it. I got angry, even angry at somehow on the news this morning about it. It comes in waves, my hatred <laughs> of Shane McMahon. Because I, I recap not only the storied history of Shane McMahon and WrestleMania and coming in for one big show or maybe a couple and going, well, I'll take a really big bump because I can rest up and recover for the nine months afterwards, not having to go to, you know, Wichita County or some (laughs) bollock, I don't know, wherever it is. Right, no offence to if anyone. Wichita Falls? I don't know, I've just merged multiple Wichita. It's that song, Wichita Lineman, and he sings, I'm the lineman of the county. (laughs) Not only that, not only the temerity to be like, Guys, look, Shane's back, which I popped for. I'll hold my hands up. When he came back... You're an idiot then. No, when he... Let me finish. When he, when he came back to interrupt Stephanie McMahon... You're an idiot then. I popped, and it's I little, regret that little now. little bastard, man. He tricked us all. <laughs> tricked those those 20,000 buying tickets in Dallas. <laughs> gorgeous Adam Nicholas. Thinking, he did. Guys, res- I think WrestleMania's good now. WrestleMania's <laughs> back. Right? He comes out, and I already was really angry at that, because I was like, well, that's got to be the... Because like, I already knew... Well, we've not got Randy. Randy. So there's 29, 30, Brock. So this is your last last chance. And I couldn't work out if there's anyone else left. But his music hit. And I was like, he comes out. He eliminates Kevin Owens after just no-selling like super kicks effectively. He outstrikes Matt Riddle, former UFC fighter. You shame it, man. It's hard. And then he can't even get eliminated properly by Brock. Come he's on. Out, he's blowing out his ass. I <laughs> <laughs> love the Shane noise. I love the knackered Shane noise. I mean, given how much he sweats and how out of puff he's been since 2016, I think uh, Shane McMahon was patient zero for the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just had it for years. <laughs> he's never got over it. I mean, these people say, like, oh, you, you know, you said you always get so wound up by WWE. You don't. I do. I'm you just let it wash over you now. It's just a thing that happens. It's a thing that if I didn't have this job, uh, I, I wouldn't even. Like, for, like whenever people have dark periods, to this day I have mates who don't watch this, and every now and then they'll go on their old wrestling news site or whatever. Just it's funny, isn't it? Fascinating <laughs> what goes on. It's a pretty fascinating industry. I don't think I'd even uh, do anything like that anymore. Just, it, it's incapable of being good. The um, you, you have to try and remember Twitter's like discourse moves at such a rate that like the com- there'll be two or three separate conversations in a day that take place on like in our little corner of Twitter and you have to try and remember the big ones for months weeks days later when you were right because some of us are old enough to always end up being right not to be arrogant about it but I sound like a massive dickhead but we always end up being right you just have to like remember it long enough the discourse around Kevin Owens signing for WWE and a bunch of odd people being like <laughs> Don't care why uh, people are so helped by this guy wanting to feed his family, Jesus Christ. And it's like, well, you're the same person now, whinging that he's just been eliminated by Shane McMahon. I'm not sitting here whinging because that's what he signed a contract for. He signed a contract to take bumps off the boss's son and maybe I uh, wish he'd gone to AEW and then he would have done something else for his money. But they're the dickheads that give you grief for it, for saying, a bit weird, uh, he just wants his kids to have a good life and you're being critical of it, are you? All right, like... Catch me up in two weeks when he gets eliminated by Shane McMahon. This, this is why. Like, this is always the way. Like, uh, how do all... you feel when Shane McMahon came out? Nothing. I felt nothing. I, I felt. Nothing. I, f- I didn't pop. I didn't. I wasn't angry. I w- do you know what? Right. If um, if Sean Waltman hadn't just worked the GCW show and Shane McMahon runs in there, I'd been waiting for Waltman to be a surprise entrant, and then you get a bit of X Pac Shane McMahon nostalgia, and he absolutely kicks the head off with one of them roundhouses, or you know, and even if. Shane gets the gets the win at the end and eliminates uh, him or something. A uh, 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 Knoxville-esque forearm, something like that. Yeah, well, I, Jesus Christ. Johnny Knoxville was great, by the way. Johnny Knoxville was really good. So much better value than half of the, the field. Um, I, I felt absolutely nothing for Shane McMahon. Partly because I was 
incapable of feeling anything that late in the Rumble. It was a deadening experience, that Royal Rumble. It was very um, second hour on the Raw review, and we've already done the five-star review review, <laughs> was, right, was, yeah. the, was the Royal Rumble men's match. Honestly, I, like, I was a bit of a humble brag incoming. I was uh, watching the men's Royal Rumble at the gym, right? And I was having a good run on the treadmill, flipping between the treadmill and the cross trainer, and I found the men's Rumble such harder work than the women's one because those two minutes felt like five each time. <laughs> I was thinking this is really cool because I get to get, get excited again in just like one minute, 50 seconds, I get another. And the men's Rumble wasn't even an hour. I put the clock thing up, and there was, because I was watching it delayed for the first time in ages. Uh, guys, I've unlocked the way to actually enjoy WWE pay-per-views. It's only taken me five years of watching them live every week for work to be like, oh, actually, just watch them a day later and avoid spoilers. <laughs> um, there was 56 minutes left or something as yeah. AJ Styles was making his entrance. And I was running my hands together, thinking, this is great. It's not even going to go the full hour. And every single interact, like somebody comes down, nothing happens. Two minutes feels like five. Another guy comes in, nothing happens. Over and over and over again. So thoughtless. On a sweeping broader level, not that WWE would ever listen to this or even just do it by their own doing, The it's a relic, the Royal Rumble match. It, the reason why they go to the corner is because they just want to focus on whoever comes in, does some spots and whatever. The whole very slowly trying to get someone over the top rope, it's because they either had a steroid freak or a fat of a goo to try and lift up over it. So you have to do this really attritional, like, oh, get over the rope. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one like that anymore. Oh, no. let's get Dominic over there. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> they should reinvent the very way in which the match has worked in line with how athletic and exciting the modern pro wrestler tends to be. It's just an absolute relic. And they can still do a good one, even if I think that it should be modernized in terms of the content. But... We've seen it's like 2018 was fantastic. 2020 was really good as well. The women's rumble last year in the th- like I say in the Thunderdome of all places. They book. That's what you need to do. Is book Bianca Belair 47 minutes, one elimination. Liv Morgan 37 minutes, zero eliminations. That's not booking. Like everything comes down yet again to the whole thing sucked. And if also, it, if it didn't suck and you had loads of over talent that people were interested in, right, it would be great. And you would like, and if you told stories and had your performers interact, your characters interact, and you remember those interactions, AEW does a Royal Rumble, right? MJF Wardlow one and two. Instantly, it's three stars better than this one, right? <laughs> Malachi Black, CM Punk, FTR. Let's do like, you give an AEW roster name and then you. John Silver comes out. Dante Martin. Andrade. Yeah. Yeah. Powerhouse House, Ricky Stark, Dante Martin, Hook. Oh. You know, and as well, it, you don't Brian need... Brian Danielson, Hangman Page, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. You don't even need... Chris Jericho, even. Like, what we're doing is, like, the point we're here is that most characters in AEW are over to a degree. Some more than others, but most are over. To, you know, they will have a, a vocal fan base in the building. You don't even need every character to be over. You just need, like, several decent ones, and ideally, like, a few massive stars. The booking of... Like, how impeccably WWE managed the Brock Lesnar story in 2020 isn't just a credit to them. It's a credit to the star power of Brock Lesnar and their ability to identify a few internet favourites, a few NXT call-ups, a couple of big guys. You know, like, there was... When we, like, heaped praise in that rumble as we did at the time, it was the the work that was put in. You could feel the work was done to time out every one of them eliminations so that, like, you had the most pain at watching yet another one of your favourites or like Keith Lee has to come in here because Brock needs to be this tired or Braun Strowman who's been kind of like destroyed by Brock Brock needs to be pretty knackered but he's to feel that suddenly he's a threat the new day like Kofi Kingston gets this massive reaction but like Kofi and Big E have to be there together because they're a stronger force as friends than they would be separately as we've seen when he just flattened Kofi Kingston like all of these little details like showed the thought but Brock was the star so even if like you had like some, uh, what's that like um, MVP return and John Morrison re- like return for novelty pops. Mm. You were never going to believe that they were going to eliminate Brock Lesnar, but they were a novelty and he was a star. And thus you were at Shelton Benjamin was the one, wasn't it? It was like, oh, the old Minnesota wrecking crew back together. Shelton's going to die. <laughs> like, but because Brock's this massive star and you can do a tiny little thing with this little detail between them. There was none of that because there was nowhere near the amounts of stars until what, maybe the very last five minutes of the match. Mm. Like, 
what if Orton... AJ Styles was in it. AJ Styles was number one and did nothing, like, outside of the, the forearm to Omos. Mm. Like, that was quite... That Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Corbett was quite nice, but their feud's over rather than just beginning. Yeah. So that, that's backward. Um, could you have not given hometown favourite Randy Orton longer in a match because people were clearly behind him? And how many, like... like how much sympathy do you draw from potentially eliminating the hometown favourite and then Riddle comes in later and saves him and then you get those pops all over again and that's just, and off, the that's of, just of, off the top of my head and there was millions more like it. Riddle and Randy. And also their over-reliance. I want to talk about some of the bits before, before we fix the Royal Rumble or at least attempt to. Uh, the over-reliance on something you always talk about which is the fear. The women's match personified that. Ronda Rousey, I wanted to win. I'm happy she won, like I say. But... The fact it was the last two was her and Charlotte. I don't know why they're doing that, because guess where they're heading as much as we want to see Ronda and Becky at WrestleMania. I don't think it's happening personally. Uh, um, but the fact it was Charlotte and Ronda, even Anne Louise, and Anne Louise, you know, is a casual uh, wrestling fan. She sat there, gets, I can't remember who was the 28th elimination, Baszler, wasn't it? It was Baszler and like Bianca, yeah, yeah. Bush, around at the same time. Right. And I went, oh, who's your money on? And she went, it was obviously Ronda. Like, Charlotte's already got the title. And I went, yeah, but Charlotte said if she wins, she'll pick her opponent for WrestleMania. And she went, why would they do that? That's stupid. It was just like, but it's the fear, like you always talk about, of, well, it could be this person to win. And then when they don't win, now you can cheer the person who's won it. Well, what I feel nothing. I didn't feel any anxiety. But so I, hate, I hate their reliance upon that. You always talked about that. Oh, yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it'd be better if it was like, it's really naive idiot who's just suddenly bought WWE from Vince. It's a really rich idiot. He's just got a fortune somehow. Elon Musk or someone. Yeah, he just books, <laughs> the, he just books WWE. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing. It's like Tommy Wiseau. Just this complete moron. Doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, hi, Max. Yeah, hi, Max. <laughs> and you get this blithering idiot, this hayseed, this Dixie, just booking something. And he's yeah, he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. And then you just get good chaos, like... <laughs> Doing there, <laughs> it's funny and it's weird and it makes no sense, and I can enjoy it. They know how bad they are. They literally presented an uh, a stable called the Authority, in which they acknowledged how terribly they are perceived. And halfway through the storyline, they were like, oh, "I'm pretty good, actually. I think we're quite right. <laughs> <laughs> quite right." Like they know what you think, and they do not care. We uh, we will talk about fixing the Royal Rumble in a second, and I don't want to go Ooh, through. I'm a, getting a bit hungry here. I don't want to go through all the matches. Mm. Um, you know, uh, you know. I, th I thought it was, I thought Edge and Beth Phoenix and the Miz and Reese was, was was fine. It was perfectly a perfectly fine TV match in my opinion. Uh, Lashley Lesnar is one thing interference etc. But it felt like and Becky Lynch do drop tried do drop tried their best, but the crowd was dead and the crowd didn't know to cheer anyway. But they worked well together. But it felt like the dumpster fire started with a match that was going brilliantly, dot, 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 yet again, till the finish. I'm talking about Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Yeah. WWE transfer deadline day for a second. Don't worry. <laughs> WWE insists you hate it. Even if you want to like it, and even if for a second it gives you a reason to like it, it insists you hate it. That can be the only explanation for that finish. Um, I need to understand better the younger WWE fans who got into this long after I did and have their, like their foundational enjoyment of WWE is rooted in a very different WWE to my foundational enjoyment. For the ones who would be able to see it's like, yeah, but the disqualification carries the story on. That means we get it again at Elimination Chamber. And I, I wish I could understand and get in the heads of the people that think that's a good thing rather than what we were served. Because that first five minutes, I'm not just saying this because we booked it, of Seth coming out full shield and being himself in the shield guys in order to kind of like stay, not just get in Roman's head, which he'd already done, but stay there and win the title like that was absolutely tremendous. And it wasn't just that, by the way. So I'll, it was far from just um, Royal Rumble season cosplay. You know, this was, he was a blonde streak short of probably winning that universal title on psychology alone. Mm. Really, really great. Like applied it to the physical side of the match rolled through the Phoenix splash because not only was he showing that he could roll out the old Seth, but he was even better than the old Seth. It's like, if I miss this now, it's not the end of the world because I can actually roll through it and survive it. Everything they were doing was hitting. The fans were banging into it. The, um, was it the, the one that ended in the curb stomp, the buckle bombing at the curb stomp near fall, 
was absolutely tremendous. They had abs- That storyline had no right to get a, a bite on a kick out. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, and they got great one. kick out from Roman, by and, the way. and they got one like really, really tremendous. Fans were with it. Just the vibe was good. The energy was really good. Uh, and then you could tell almost it was as if honestly somebody stopped the match midway through and be like, right, you're getting ready for the fuckery because it's coming. Like you could see the way the the match was changing. Roman Reigns started acting, and then you're like, oh yeah, I know where this is going. Like what's the what? Yeah, disqualified for kicking ass. Like, yeah, like the you could just see there's a, there's a point in the match where you can see that's where it's going to go, and there's no way back. And maybe that's not the same experience for everybody, but it's like yeah, your, your enjoyment of this, your investment is going to be limited because it just feels like it's going to hit this finish, and it did, and you don't want it to. You want it to live beyond your low expectations, and I that's that was my takeaway from that match. And they weren't ever going to like they, they had loads of chances to recover. It's a Royal Rumble. There's two battle royals, but there was a an energy that was lost. They weren't going to get back um, as a result of kind of sacrificing the five minutes to knowing what they're far more comfortable with, which is acting and DQ finishes. Not just Roman. Seth was guilty of it as well. Uh, Rangers are most strongly linked with Aaron Ramsey's return. <laughs> to the UK? Yeah, I don't, I don't care about it. WWE makes content increasingly impossible. If there's a reason why we've lost track of jokes we were doing last year on the Raw podcast and we've got new ones now. It's because talking about this earnestly is impossible. It's becoming a real goddamn problem for content creators, for fans, for the members of the roster, because there's widespread reports of total and utter disillusionment. Even like Kofi Kingston, who's one of the guys on the the tab of Nick on spreadsheet, as Hamlet puts it, who's just completely safe. The new day are completely safe. He was talking about the disappointment he had with the Ali match that didn't happen last year and he's like ah, it's just disappointment as par for the course here <laughs> it's just how it goes like was it big he said that um a, a recent wb champion has said was the effect of you honestly like I, I wasn't through the curtain yet you know i hadn't scored a fall because you'll get like a message to the referee and say we're doing it this way instead and like that's what the li- like the belt needs to be in your hand before you can actually say even if you've been told that day you know he was tweeting out that he was going to cash in or whatever it was experiences like that it is going to make people disillusioned, isn't it? And that's going to that's going to come through the screen as well. It's too interactive a product to not. Um, we've danced all over the cards, so can I just have a minute on the Becky Lynch Dewdrop match? Yeah. Because we've been full of praise for Becky Lynch's work since coming back as a heel. I think she's looking far more intelligent as a wrestler in the ring than maybe she ever has. I was never a huge fan of Becky Lynch's in the ring, just for my personal taste. But I loved the man character so much that if anything, there was sometimes a bit of a dissonance between the way she worked and this character that I just really compared to the she always had the Steve Austin comparison. He worked to that character so well when he locked into it. Whereas Becky Lynch never really did for me. Contrast that to how she wrestles as big time Bex. I think they're so much tighter. Like there's there's so much more there's a such a clearer link to me between how she wrestles and the character she now plays, save for yet more of the acting. Like what three Ruby Soho gifts in this one match from Becky Lynch? No, 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 no. One, no, 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 no. two. Like uh, awful. However, the sign was on fire, which I didn't realise watching the pay per view, and that's the thing, right? So like, I would have known that if I'd have been watching live, and that had been as detracting to me as it was to people in the building. I didn't know that watching live, so all I knew was that the fans were pretty bored by this, and I thought, well, yes, they've had to follow a Royal Rumble, not easy. Something has to on this card now, and that's always going to be a tough spot. But also. Like, the reaction isn't what the wrestlers deserve. The reaction is what WWE deserves for asking you to accept a babyface turn after two or three weeks of... Dude, was it even a turn? Not really. But, like, accept somebody being a babyface in this match. Lesser of two evils. A lesser of two evils match. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And just, like, I don't know, the the idea that Dewdrop was going to win was poo-pooed by Lynch herself repeatedly on television. So not only are you kind of being asked to take this challenger as suddenly the one you're rooting for, but the company's outright told you that she's not going to win. So sit and watch how she nearly lo- like how she nearly wins. Like enjoy how close she comes in this defeat. You wouldn't like again. This conversation is rapidly going to change over the years. Technically, right now we all support crap football teams. We know this, and yet don't go paying to to see the defeat. You go paying to see that they might I did actually win. Bridge. <laughs> but like typically, you don't pay your money yes. and cheer. <laughs> Knowing the defeat is coming, it's it's the hope that eventually kills you. Like <laughs> the finish was tremendous. Like I was reminded of Bailey beating Nia Jax with the top rope, uh, the second rope, Bailey belly, because you 
got to do something else other than the usual to get it done. Like, I like that they had that. I like that they used um, Dewdrop size for the slow motion replays mid-match because everything Dewdrop didn't like had all this awesome impact when you slow it right down you see what Becky is having to endure in this against a different opponent that she's not trapped with enough respect. So much about this could have and would have worked, but this company can't book. So it's always, it comes to the rumbles, it comes to the undercard, it comes to Seth Roman disqualification. They cannot book. So they can't do anything right, and nothing will ever feel right as a result. The comp book, that's why you get nights like this. How do we fix it, then? How do we fix the Royal Rumble? Uh, sell it to Disney? <laughs> Even then, it will never be a pro wrestling company ever again. It might become a competent content creation company. Because if you look at everything, it's all franchises. And, like... I was writing about this in an article, so the mega fans will forgive me for repeating this analogy, right? But Boba Fett was like a really fondly remembered side character in the Star Wars universe. And he had a cool helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's cooler than, uh, you know, Yoda. <laughs> I like Yoda well enough, but he's not cool. Like, Boba Fett was like, Star Wars is lame. It is. I'm sorry. I like the, the original <laughs> I like the original trilogy. Fine enough. I could go my entire life. I'm not a Star Wars guy. But like it's considered I'm sorry, Star Wars fans, it's kind of considered dorky, right? Mm. I think anyone in their right minds would look at the actual aesthetic of Boba Fett, know what his character is and think it's legitimately an objectively cool design. Mm. Like a badass side character, right? Memories of Boba Fett have prevailed over the years. He is known acknowledge me. He's like, I'm the cool guy in Star Wars. He's on the head of the table. <laughs> I'm the one. Guys, really cool. So what's happened is, Disney realized people really like fucking Boba Fett. How can we extract the most obvious fan service juice from this fruit of the franchise? Give him longer than it was ever conceived he would have screen time wise and build a limited prestige television series around this character who in fact died but he's back alive because it's easier to tell the story. Right? <laughs> Space. <laughs> WWE might one day, you know, if the worst happens, <laughs> become that, right? And they'll think... What do you mean by worst? <laughs> <laughs> they might just become this ridiculously transparent, shallow, retconned fan service company where they make you happy all the time. And then you kind of fix it because you are in tune with what the fan wants and you just do endless content. It'll never feel premium, special mm -hmm. ever again until this whole paradigm completely breaks away completely. That's how you say the Royal Rumble. You wait until new owners are in place. You realize, hang on, it's probably a better idea to make these, uh, make these fans happy, is it not? And then you do a lot of things, way too much, completely saturated content, with the idea of these little seals who consume this product might want a good one and they might want lots of it. Um, until that day comes, I, this. I use this example quite a lot on the podcast. So my kids are now nine and six and I would love them more than just convenience reasons, but I would love them when I'm trying to watch wrestling early in the morning. I would love them to love wrestling because of a lot of nice memories I've had from being a, a wrestling fan virtually all my life. Um, and I as a result, find myself often comparing it to everything else they watch or everything else they consume to try and see maybe WWE specifically, AEW, an interesting one maybe when they get a bit older, WWE where it might be going wrong. And there is, it's when anybody mentions like them being on Disney or Netflix buying it. I know for a fact that those enormous companies that care so little for their, the real dense quality but just need big picture quality would do a better job than Vince McMahon. Like I know this to be true. Um, the floor is lava. Right. I'm pulling this out of my ass. If the analogy goes wrong, I do apologize. Right? If on the floor is lava, which my kids like, anybody that hasn't seen it, it's a room that looks like any room, but the floor's lava, right? And it's not, spoiler, it's not real lava. <laughs> but the peril is that you fall in the lava, you see the member of the team disappear in the lava. Oh, no. Well. Yeah, oh no, they're falling in the lava, right? Booked by Vincent Mann currently, like the lava would suddenly become solid. And the person would be like, actually, I'm all right. And then they would break away because they're super strong and the lava's a bitch, right? <laughs> and then they'd use the muscles and flex and then lava would break and they'd get back on the platform. And my kids would then be like, well, I don't want to watch that anymore because the magic of this is that they might fall in the lava. If they get to the other end, that's really cool. Like, I didn't think they would do that because the floor's lava, mm. but they've, they've gotten out of the lava. 
I don't want to watch it anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, the floor's lava for a bit, and then suddenly it's not, and then he gets back up, and there's no prize. Like that's how Vincent Mann would book the floor as lava. The floor would no longer be lava because you didn't see it coming. You know, like oh, they already know the floor's lava. Give me the floors. The floor's a floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Whenever my son catches me watching wrestling, <laughs> and I use that specific phrase, on we've purpose. skipped the, the generation has skipped us. Our parents used to catch us watching wrestling, and now our kids do. <laughs> catches me watching wrestling. If the kid is six years old, a lot of six-year-old kids are six years old, <laughs> and they understand it's an incredibly simplistic, moralistic framework, and they apply it to life. Who's the good? Who's the baddie? I want to finish this now. I'm really hungry and I'm worried about the list I'm writing. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, Is absolutely. A, a rant. Very loose and long rant. Who's a goodie and who's a baddie? Well, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns having the big match at WrestleMania, James, if you're interested in that. Who's a goodie and who's a baddie? Well, Roman Reigns is the baddie. He's just screwed a goodie, I think, <laughs> out of a title match and realigned with his baddie um, of a manager. And uh, but what about Brock Lesnar? Oh, well, Brock Lesnar's um, thrown out the hometown guy <laughs> from the Royal Rumble. <laughs> He's just sort of been entitled to a, a spot in this match in the first place. And, uh, yeah. He's not really a good guy. <laughs> it's it's true. It's it's really... Like this, uh, this babyface heel thing, um, it's sometimes less than ideal in AEW. It's outright impossible. In WWE, it is impossible. Like I think it was the example I had last year with that exact same thing was I think I think it was Charlotte Flair and Ray Ripley, mm. and the, again caught watching. Where the f- do I start with this? <laughs> like the, it's I it's I am astonished that this finds new viewers. We know from the demo it's not finding many, but I'm astonished this finds new viewers because I cannot fathom. Like I see a lot of good quality kids television and films, and this isn't even this isn't even bad kids telly. Like I'd. Rather sit through another Cliff of the Big Red Dog than sit these two through a Royal Rumble and try and explain the character alignments of all the characters. The dog is big and red and called Clifford. <laughs> like, if WWE was even half as clear in defining any of its characters, it might stand a chance of being fixed. It's not getting fixed. Clifford, Clifford the Big Red Dog's got more chance of getting fixed Clifford than his bollocks are massive. Clifford the Big Red Dog, of course, seem to be drafted to SmackDown. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, let us know your thoughts on the Royal Rumble, though, on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our review of AW Rampage is available right now. And our preview of Monday Night Raw is coming a little bit later on. Just happened. (laughs) Um, Replay that for the next 52 weeks. And who knows, maybe we'll be back to try and fix the Royal Rumble when the dust has settled a little bit more. We'll wait and see on that one. But for now, uh, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.